Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Like always, I am your host, Sean Siriani. My guest today goes by the name of Elon Molellum. And you guys didn't hear this because I just cut it out, but his name is apparently a tongue twister for me. <laughs> You may have seen his familiar face on The Walking Dead. He's also had roles in NCIS New Orleans, the movie Deepwater Horizon. And beyond his acting, he's a total renaissance man. To the point, there's so much I can say about what this guy does. He's a painter. Recently just had his work put up in a gallery. He's an entrepreneur. He builds watches and even has a model that is rocked by the former middleweight champion of the UFC, George Rush St. Pierre. What an endorsement. And speaking of MMA, Elon is an efficient professional martial artist. And I want to say what was so fun about this episode was afterwards, we were in the Pacific Junction Hotel sponsor of the show the bar that the girth radio studio is attached to and me and the lovely saxon who is the cute girl who works behind the bar at the pacific junction hotel got a bit of a private lesson from elon they were locking up throwing each other around (laughs) it was fucking awesome and yeah if you're listening to this on itunes stitcher google play i want to inform you that every one of these episodes have its own web page on our home girthradio.com so you can click on there you can see elon's reel you can see pictures of saxon and elon beating the shit out of each other in the bar and yeah just other links to his watches if you're interested in checking those out and uh yeah everything else the, the man does so much i'm gonna put his art on there whatever And I'm probably missing something, too. This is how much this dude does. (laughs) And I also want to share something with you guys before I get into this episode. Usually I like to keep these intros a little short. But um, after chilling with Elon and just uh, watching him teach us, like, the basics of, like, some martial arts moves, it kind of reminded me something within myself that I feel like I lost recently. I don't know what it is, just... Actually, I do know what it is, but... uh, just lately, my mind's been cloudy. I've been going through some heartbreak. And um, I was just thinking back, like, how much I used to take care of myself mentally and physically. And how overall healthy I felt when I did that. And this is kind of a moment of synchronicity. But uh, I was thinking it that day. And then the next day, uh, I met up with my buddy, Johnny Shea. He's been on the show before. The Irish musician. And um, before I linked up with Johnny, I was thinking, you know what? I should. I used to meditate. I should meditate again. And when I saw Johnny, one of the first things he said to me, he got an app on his phone that is made by this guru. And it has this incredible guided meditation. So I downloaded it, and I want to share it with you guys. The guy's name is Sad Guru, and not because he's sad. It's just his name, but it's spelled S-A-D-H Guru, all one word. Um, And, yeah, if you type it in, you can find his app. And there's a lot of stuff when you open the app, but if you hit Meditate, and if you hit Isha Kriya, um, I've done it for two days so far, and I plan on doing this every day. And it just works wonders. It feels like I'm getting like just more oxygen going to the brain. And I've kind of modified my own personal routine of going into it. So 
the app recommends you doing it twice a day for 40 days or once a day for 90 days. That's what I'm doing. I think I'm going to just keep going like even after the 90 days. Like, But uh, my little modification is I don't do it first thing in the morning. I do it right after a long day of work and even before I do the meditation I do what I'm calling prison push-ups <laughs> and I call it prison push-ups because I live in a basement apartment and uh, there's just cold tile floor everywhere so I've been doing a bunch of push-ups a bunch of sit-ups till I'm just completely exhausted physically and then I put on my headphones and go into this meditation app and yeah, I've just been, no, it's been two days and I've just noticed a difference and this app is not a sponsor of the show. I just want to share it with you because I don't know, maybe, maybe you're overwhelmed with stress too. It's a common thing. Um, and maybe it won't work for you, you know, every each to their own. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that, uh, that bit of mind health with you and it's kind of cool like um the past couple days usually after like a crazy day of work I'll feel like so tired and I just want to take a nap but I've been doing this routine and I it's almost like just rejuvenates me almost like like I'm just starting my day again at the end of the day and it, it's kind of nice to if you're like me where you have a day job and then you want to go home and rock some creative stuff or just do things around the house, you might be able to get an extra burst of just life out of this. So, yeah, it's the Sad Guru app. It's S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U. Thank you, Johnny Shea, for that recommendation. And, yeah, that's all I want to say for this intro. I'm going to throw this episode with Elon coming at you right now. Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio. Yeah, happy to have you in here. Um, a Thanks, friend man. of mine, Yas, before I even met you, he was saying, oh, you should get my boy on the show. <laughs> and uh, I know I crossed paths with you a couple of times, and I've always had these pleasant conversations with you. And from adding you on Facebook and stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy embodies like all the type of people I have on the show. You're an actor. You're a painter. Uh, am I correct? You do martial arts as well? Yeah, and since I'm a little kid. Definitely. Wow, man. That's, that's What pushes you to like kind of jump into all your interests and go like full tilt with them? Uh, I wouldn't say there's anything pushing me. I just, uh, just I'm, a little, I'm a little bit neurotic. I guess. Yeah, so yeah. I, 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 can't, <laughs> I can't sit still, so I got to find things to do. So. Yeah, yeah. I kind of relate with that. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, when did you start doing the acting? Was it like at a young age or? Uh, professionally, <laughs> probably when I was, the first show I, I booked, the first real show was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Back in the oh, day. yeah. Classic, classic, yeah. classic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Um, 
but before that, I'd always been in acting. I remember like the first play I did was in kindergarten. I did Peter Rabbit, and I was uh, so I hadn't acted yet. And then Peter, the kid who was playing Peter the Rabbit, got sick like the day before, two days before the play, and so they looked for a replacement. I had learned the full full play just watching him, and they're like, "Oh, you go in," and then I loved it. Um, yeah. Even though it was it was really ridiculous back then, it was just like a bunch of kindergarten kids running around. Dude, I'm smiling so hard right now because my I had the exact same kindergarten experience, <laughs> but I was Peter Rabbit, <laughs> like and, same play, everything, oh, junior kindergarten, yes. bam, yes. yes. I guess it's that's like a, a, I guess that's a thing, Peter Rabbit. Yeah. In, uh, but in, the thing is, like, I didn't grow up in like. I didn't get booked on Are You Afraid of the Dark or awesome shows like Walking Dead. <laughs> but that's cool that, like, did you feel like even, like, it's probably hard to remember back then? Was that, like, that mem- gave you the itch where you're like, yeah, it did. I can do this. I can do this stuff. That's actually uh, a clear memory. I don't remember a lot of things from when I was a kid for some reason. I just have, like, foggy memory. But that's one of the things I do remember as a moment where I was like, oh, I really enjoy acting. Then I had done Grease when I got a little older. And uh, I played the lion in uh, Wizard of Oz. In a oh, play. cool! And I loved all of it. I just realized I'm uh, I'm happier when I'm I'm doing that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, that's so cool. And uh, yeah, I watched your reel before you came in today. It was uh-huh. So badass! Like you take like a lot of like these actiony roles, right? Like it- I do. I guess I, just because of how I look, I get a little bit more gritty, gritty stuff and mm-hmm. more um, more physical. I wouldn't necessarily say like physical in terms of like I'm I'm not like the bodyguard. Or yeah, anything, yeah. I'm not a huge dude, but uh, I get like the like soldier cop related type stuff or um, blue collar. So I enjoy those kind of roles. I yeah. think they suit me. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And uh, I like how you ended your reel. And people, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, uh, I just want to let people at home know that every episode has a web page on girthradio.com and you'll be able to see his reel as well but i like how at the end of your reel like you had that moment where you just got shot i get game of thrones yeah 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 and then you just go flying back into like the fridge Mm -hmm. and stuff so do you do like a lot of your own stunts as well they don't let me no Uh, no i'll do my own stunts when they they let me but i typically don't like on, on uh walking dead when i'm falling down the stairs yeah the main role is a stuntman. The last four stairs and the first drop are me. Um, there's been, like, on NCIS, uh, it's not on my real internet, but I had this whole getaway scene mm-hmm. uh, where I'm, like, climbing this old raggedy uh, ladder on top of a building. And that was real. That was, like, they they essentially found this super old rusty building. They found this ladder that was, like, half built. So if I would have fallen, I probably would have fallen, you know, eight stories or whatever. <laughs> So they, had, they were, like, trying to harness me in just to be safe. But it was all, like, dirty, rusty, sharp pieces. and Oh, yeah, hepatitis all yeah. over the place. Eh? So that was one time I was actually a little uncomfortable where I was like, oh, man, because I, I don't know. I don't necessarily – I don't get scared of heights, but I feel like when I'm in those situations, I'm like – I get an urge to kind of just jump off the ladder <laughs> Yeah, so I have yeah. to fight that urge, and I'm yeah. like, oh, this isn't healthy. Yeah, I'm sure, like, in those action-y roles, too, like, you get, like, a bit of adrenaline going, mm-hmm. and you, like, want to make it look awesome and, like – I can see, like, just going hard, like, even, like, on a scene, like, climbing a ladder and, like, slipping. It's, yeah, like, you get into it. It's a possible it. thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, anything's anything's possible. That's why they try and make it as safe as possible. Stunt guys have the hardest job out of all. I mm-hmm. mean, they really, sadly, do get injured all the time, and even, you know, terrible things happen. Even on, on Walking Dead, there was that sad accident where the stunt guy died. I mean, it, it you know, it's just, uh, they don't get enough credit. 
in my opinion. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like there's very few famous stunt people when you think of everything. It's like... Why aren't, uh, why aren't stunts yeah. uh, in the Oscars? Yeah. Doesn't that's make a, sense that's a That's a true question, too. It's like, even on the top of my head, all I can think of is just Jackie Chan and, like, mm-hmm. who else? Like, and that's because he became an actor, yes, not for stunts. Yes, That's very true, uh, too. In China, I feel like they're more, in Hong Kong film, and all, they're more respected. Like, mm-hmm. fight choreographers are listed in credits significantly higher. I think under the producer or director. I'm not sure in, in yeah. a lot of, like, these popular films in Hong Kong. Yeah. But in the United States, no, they don't get the credit they deserve. Yeah, there's been like amazing shit. Well, I guess for like since the beginning of film, like coming from like the Far East, but uh, I've been getting into like a lot of like those actiony like stunt stuff, like The Raid and like oh, yeah, On the Block Raid. and like all those like some movies those teams make. <laughs> so like, yeah. I'll watch like any of that. <laughs> the guy who did On Bach, uh, not On Bach, the one who did uh, Raid, his first film that I had seen, I don't know if it's his first film ever, was called Marintau. Okay, they actually named yeah. their pro, uh, like production company Marintau. He's a Kuntau. He's not a Kuntau guy. He's a Silat guy, but I don't know if he did Kuntau Silat. I did Kuntau Silat growing up also. Yeah. But he's a tri- he looks like he does like Penjak Silat and like, that's an Indonesian martial art. Yeah, and it, those are like really quick like, are they like elbow strikes type thing? As well, I Silat in general just is kind of like an, an all-encompassing term. It's not necessarily yeah. a specific martial art. Like there's, there's a style called Harimau which is I, I guess more low to the ground. So the style he does is clearly more in tight, close quarter combat, elbows, knees. It looks like a penjak. His movements also when he does the forms, I think look like penjak silat. I'm not an expert in that specific martial art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did much more Filipino martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, sambo, and Muay Thai. Wow, but I did yeah. do a lot of, uh, of silat just because I liked it. I liked the entries. That cool, way, cool. He has a very similar style to what I had learned, which was kuntao silat. Uh, but that has a history of it. I mean, Kuntao is a, a mix of other silats, which there was Penjak in there, Harimau, all these other ones. So I'm not surprised that it looked similar. Ah, interesting. And do you feel like all your training with martial arts like help you with your acting career as well? Like when it comes to auditions and stuff like that? Or- I, I think martial arts gives you confidence in anything you do. So if I was going to be... Uh, if I was going to give anyone advice in any aspect, it would be trained martial arts. It'll change the way you hold yourself. It changes your, your stature. It changes your confidence in all aspects of your life. Yeah. Um, and also, whenever you're forced to be in a position, martial arts that are combat sports force you to be in a position where you have to test your limits. Yeah. And like anytime lots of uncomfort, that. high stress. High stress, adre- adrenal stress response, all that mm-hmm. stuff. You have to learn to deal with that and then whenever you're in a situation in life that makes you uncomfortable you're gonna resort back to whatever has gotten you through that in the past and if you've done combat sports you're gonna learn to stay calm breathe in any aspect whether it's mentally tough or physically tough you'll just have a better tool set yeah it's a beautiful like lots of people i i know like some outsiders who watch like a clip of ufc and be like oh that's very barbaric but they don't know the layers and layers of like it's a mental sport as well. And Hugely like, mental. Yeah, it's just not just UFC, all like competitive martial arts and all stuff like that. All competitive martial yeah. arts. Yeah, I always thought that, like, I don't know. It's, I love that whole aspect of like the mental game behind it and just, I don't know, teaching yourself how to breathe in these situations mm-hmm. and stuff. Because well, I feel yeah. like I'm a panicky guy, so I see like these fighters and I'm just like, wow, like I respect like so much for them to just kind of 
zen out and yeah i mean i don't know if they're necessarily zen out fighting goes one of two ways i mean you do still have panic responses when you're fighting like if there's a Mm -hmm. guy mounted on top of you punching you in the face you're not always calm yeah yeah uh you go into survival mode um but just even going through that experience uh will bring other experiences into perspective yeah because most of us live our lives uh you know we go to work we go home and the things that stress us out aren't necessarily rational Right, you don't have a perspective. Mm-hmm. You're just so caught up in your own life that you get stuck in these cycles where things that someone talks, someone pisses you off at work and it bothers you the whole day. Yeah. But yeah. when you leave work and you go into that environment, even for an hour, where you're in in some instinctive level, uh, you know, fighting for your life, because when you tap out, it's it's pretty much like if in a real street situation, there is no tapping. Mm-hmm. So from yeah. a instinctive perspective. Yeah, you know you could tap, but you're still being choked. You're still going unconscious. You're still being hit in the head. Yeah. Um, so it puts the rest of your day into perspective. I think that's a valuable thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Have you uh, competed as well? Or- yeah, I competed in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I competed in Filipino yeah. martial arts, all those. I never competed in an MMA. Um, back when I lived in New York, it was uh, illegal. We used to do like in-gym fights, and like Frankie Edgar was even around back then. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was really interesting, uh, the evolution of the sport. I never had an urge to compete in MMA. For some reason, I always liked putting on a gi and like a belt, and I like jiu-jitsu. I also like no-gi jiu-jitsu, too, uh, even though that doesn't have a gi. But yeah. uh, I like the, the purity of some sports, but I've trained a lot of MMA guys. Oh, uh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I always wanted to act, and I didn't want to have a busted-up face for <laughs> fighting and make, you know, a thousand bucks. Yeah, but sometimes like, these okay. roles, I guess you're getting casted where you are going to get your face busted or your head Hopefully busted not. by like Daryl. Well, like not, oh, like, yeah. not like not for, for real. real. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, can you tell me a bit about like how you got casted into The Walking Dead too? Because it's such an iconic show for like this generation right now. And the whole, the whole thing with Walking Dead was an interesting experience. I was originally up. I had auditioned for that show many times, and the role I was up for in reality was Jesus, and. Uh, they had called me back five times for Jesus. They told me they loved me, all this stuff. Uh, I'd gone back and forth with them. And that was the final choice. And they said, okay, well, it's, you know, we love you. We like you for the part. We just need 24 hours. And then someone at the studio or at the network had decided that they wanted to go a different direction with the character and make him more biblical looking. Because uh, mm-hmm. the guy got Jesus, uh, you know, he's very light-skinned. He's got blonde hair, blue eyes. He looks like... Uh, an angel. Bible. Yeah. <laughs> looks like a beautiful angel. No, he looks like Bible Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have darker features, and even my skin is a little more uh, olive than, you know, uh, what you would imagine, uh, and black hair, you know, yeah. th- more Semitic features. Yeah. You look like a soldier, basically. Yeah, yeah. so it didn't, it didn't suit the direction they wanted to go for, but they liked me enough. They wrote me a nice letter, and then they called me back a week later, and they said, listen, we want to offer you a role on the show just... To have you on it. Cool. And then they, they had given me that role of Wesley, which I don't think they knew where they were going to go with it. Yeah. Um, but that was, yeah, that was my experience on Walking Dead. Yeah, and it's cool. It seemed like you had, like, some, uh, some like, you were in the mix with, like, a, like a lot of people's, like, favorites, like a Maggie, like, mm-hmm. and I saw your reel and stuff like that. And how uh, how were the, how was it, like, meeting everybody on the set? Were, were they all cool? or like, Yeah, they're a family. They're really a family. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a super tight bond in that in that uh show it's the most intense tv show i've worked on Mm -hmm. they all take it so serious yeah they've been doing it for so long now too it's been eight years yeah 
they're going to their ninth year of doing it. I mean, that's a long time to be mm-hmm. with someone. They become family. Um, and it's not just the actors. The whole crew is very, very tight. So it's a very... And they were very welcoming. You know, I came in. They were like, welcome to the family, all this stuff. Oh, that's um, really nice. Yeah. yeah. Especially Lauren Cohan, Maggie. I just, I really liked her. I got along with her very well. Mm-hmm. We just kind of, and that's a lot of my, th- like, stuff was with her or around her. And so, and Andrew Lincoln's a really interesting guy. And so there were certain people that I, I connected with more than others. But they're all, I can't say that anyone, you know, it's not like there was any negativity anywhere on that set. Um so it was a good experience. Yeah, it was a really interesting experience. So just because the, sh- the show's so popular. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel like an extra pressure on this one, or did you just do things how you usually do? No, I mean, I, I didn't get a chance as much as I would have hoped to develop, and I think that was partially partially because they didn't know exactly. Like, they kind of gave me the character hoping they'd be able to develop him because uh, okay, of the experience yeah. with the, the Jesus thing, and then they, I don't think they knew necessarily where to take my character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I never, you know, I have that nice scene with, with Maggie. I have a couple other scenes and stuff like that throughout the seasons. But uh, nothing where I felt tested necessarily. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, on TV, my most vulnerable moment was on NCIS New Orleans, which you would never expect to okay. be. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this guy had a heart murmur and this character. And uh, Len Bowers, I remember. And... Uh, and... He, you know, he accidentally kills someone. There's all the stuff that happens, and he's breaking down, and it's pretty, pretty interesting that one. So that one was an enjoyable experience yeah. in terms of being tested as an actor. Did it feel like very mentally exhausting to play a character like that? Or? No, I'm good at being vulnerable. I yeah. think like that's something that I just have uh, in me. Uh, so, like, I don't know why, but that direction, <laughs> the tough guy who can break down, is something, <laughs> yeah, something yeah. I. Tom Hardy style, Rambo. Yeah. yeah, Rambo, but breaking down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. Um, the hardest roles for me are the ones that are more superficial, as odd as that sounds. The ones where it's I don't know where, where's the depth of the the character, and and sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's just exposition, and that's your job, and you got to go do it mm-hmm. and accept that. Uh, and less is more a lot of the times in acting. Uh, so. There's this interesting story I remember my teacher once told me. There's a, a Meisner. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows about it, acting who's listening, but there's a, a style of acting called Meisner. Okay. Stanford Meisner created it. Um, yeah, interesting. Like, like what is it? Like, uh... it's just a it's just a philosophy on acting and a series of techniques. Okay. Uh, and the okay. whole the primary fundamental philosophy is that you're living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. In other words, you as a person are going to always be most interesting as yourself. Under imagine under the circumstances of the context of whatever's taking place. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, and you can connect to things. In yeah. other words, don't try and step out of yourself to become something else. You are already interesting as you, and no one will play you more interesting than you. Mm. And then if you are honestly yourself, and you're honestly listening and reacting, and you're present, uh, and you can get there, then whatever you're doing will be the best performance for yourself. Yeah, that's, that's really cool, too, because... Like, uh, I always think, like, I'm not an actor, but I'm, like, thinking, like, hey, if I got casted for this, like, I'd have to, like, change my mentality to be something else. But that's really interesting. It's, like, example, it's, like, okay, this scene's, like, a hostage situation. What would I do right now? And that'll be, Yeah, and you don't even think about what would I do. You just experience it. So it's, Meisner training isn't isn't about planning anything. If you're planning something, you're not not present. 
Okay. I was going to yeah. say pregnant. I don't know yeah. why. You're not present. Yeah. So you want to be present. It's actually very similar to martial arts. You fight best when you're in the moment, right? When you're fully reactive, everything just kind of s- slows down. The same thing happens in acting. It's a very similar feeling. Meisner training is very good for that kind of training to get you to that point. Um, and it's not so much about changing or, you know, like you're saying, like, how would I be in that situation? But when you're in that situation and you're living it, you're, you often don't know how you'd be. So mm-hmm. there, there's situations where someone's uh, has experiences a tragedy, their parent dies, and they laugh. They don't cry. Yeah. And sometimes that's sadly the most interesting thing to watch on screen. Because it's so different, but it's honest. As long as it's honest, it's good. Whether you cry, you don't cry, whether you, you laugh, whether you don't laugh, whatever it is, whatever reaction you're having is honest, then it'll be a good performance. That's the philosophy of, of all the quirks. So everything good about acting that you could do is already there for you. Wow. It's you as a person. It's your yeah. whole life experience. And then it's taking all of that and connecting to something else. Ah, oh, cool. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> It's called Meisner, right? Meisner training, yeah. Uh, there's exercises. Yeah. We can actually do one right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, yeah. so this first, this is the most basic. This is how you start off, and it's just to get you uh, kind of reactive. Yeah. So you're going to just make an observation about me. It could be, hey, uh, black jacket. And you're just going to say black jacket. Okay. And I'm going to repeat black jacket. We're just going to repeat it back and forth. It's not about the jacket. It's just about how I say, it's about what's coming from me. Okay. Right? So black jacket could be said a million different ways. It's about what's coming from me. You just take it, you accept it, and you say black jacket back. And if it naturally changes, this is going to be very weird for your listeners. They're going to be like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) But just try it. Okay, okay. Should we just do, okay, white shirt. White shirt. White shirt? White shirt. White shirt. White shirt. White shirt? White shirt. White shirt. White shirt. White shirt. (laughs) White shirt. And am I supposed to change it or just keep going? No, you going see, that with was it though. But you okay, started you, having, you, you, you fall you into the moment. You started having yeah. actual, you started laughing, you started doing these little quirky things mm, that yeah, make yeah. you as a person. Now, yeah. if that comes into your acting, those little things, and you're not trying to have them happen, then you become an interesting actor. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's, this is not a video show, but it started off with us just kind of like straight facing white shirt. And then I'm smiling at you saying, white shirt, yeah. white shirt. Yeah. You start like, having yeah. honest reactions. Yeah, yeah. That's all that is. That's just mm-hmm. an exercise to get there. It develops much more. Um, but that's just a very basic, um, basic first thing that you'll do. You do it for a long time, uh, and uh, eventually you just kind of like lose track of what's going on. <laughs> yeah, like, even with that's, going to like a meditative that's, state. Yeah, yeah, that small little uh, period we did that where we were only like back and forth like four or five times. Like I felt like this, I don't know, buzzing in my brain. Yeah, that, your third you know, eye was opening up. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the pineal gland. The pineal gland. Meisner yes, training yes. for the pineal gland. Let's go there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. We can talk about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I believe we can. Uh, I think I re- recall at the party we were at, we started talking about sleep paralysis. I get crazy sleep and, paralysis. Uh, yeah, me too. And uh, we, I remember us like at a table going like super deep and then... Within a minute, like a lot of people like walked away because we were getting so intense yeah. about it. Because, yeah. but uh, yeah, and even like it's interesting too because my last episode I was talking about like sleep paralysis, outer body experiences, and stuff like that. And I don't usually talk about that kind of stuff on the show, but I've been getting like a lot of feedback, like people like, "Oh, that's so interesting." So I want to go there again, man. Like, what's Let's your What's like uh, you mentioned? You get sleep paralysis. Do you remember the first time you ever had sleep paralysis? I remember the first time I had. Okay, so 
Not the exact first. I used to have severe night terrors. I guess I don't mm-hmm. know if there were night terrors or what. I, yeah. I used to even go to sleep, and it was like I didn't sleep, and I, it, the whole night had just passed. I'd blink, and it was the morning. And mm-hmm. then I came to a phase where it was sleep paralysis. I was a, I was a younger kid. I was like 13. I thought it was aliens. I did, couldn't figure out what was yes, going on. Yes, yes, Because I'd yes. be stuck in my bed. I couldn't move, and there were these creatures or these things. Yeah. And I, I used to run to my parents' room. No one could figure out. They sent me to psychologists, and I was like, "We don't know what's going on with him. He's going through something." <laughs> yeah, it was crazy too. Uh, my one friend at the time when I started getting them really bad, he was studying like sleep psychology, and I remember going to his house and I told him one sleep paralysis experience I had, and he looked at me and he's like, "Man, that's fucked up." It, so <laughs> it fucked. scared me. Like I, I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, am I dying? Like, yeah, that's fuck? what. I, yeah, yeah. I woke up yeah. once. I remember the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. I've had a lot. I've, for some reason, me and sleep and my sisters. Not something that runs in my family, but I had woken up. I was traveling with a girlfriend of mine at the time, mm-hmm. and we ended up in Israel in this like weird old hostel that was like an old old building. And I was having tons of crazy recurring dreams back then. Uh, that just like I was being killed in different time periods, and so I end up in this place that looks super familiar. Yeah. And I had never been there. I go to sleep, and it was like a rocky kind of old bed. It was like this old, old hostel so place. So it's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, but it was also like ancient. I don't yeah. know. And uh, so I'm dreaming that I'm in this old temple place. I'm speaking another language. And this woman comes, and she's my wife, and she stabs me, and I'm holding her, and I'm shaking her. And I wake up, and I'm yelling at my girlfriend in this other language. I'm this other person. Oh I was not myself my anymore. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't know who I was. I thought I was this other person and I'm, I couldn't understand English and I had just, I was mumbling in this other language, yelling at her like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And she's like, English, Elon, English. And I didn't even recognize her. I was like, who is she? I'm like telling her, I'm like, who are you? What's going on? And then she said, like literally my eyes went up and I felt like my brain switch. Like, I don't know how to explain it. This is very creepy. Mm-hmm. It happened to me once in my entire life. Yeah. I'm not schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah. I went to a, <laughs> I went to a doctor to make sure because I was so worried after this. They said, no, it's totally normal. You're just probably very stressed out and people yeah, do weird yeah. things. You're probably still dreaming and wake at the same time. So I felt my brain actually switch. And then I understood all of a sudden English, Elon, English. I was like, Whoa. what just happened? Um but I, I've always done weird things in my sleep. My, my uh, girlfriend tells me now, the one I'm dating now, says that I wake up and I, I'm like mumbling in other languages. Yeah. And... I feel like uh, I get triggered sleep paralysis too. And I notice it's like a pattern when there's some certain type of stress going on. Always. Too. Do you feel that way too? Stress yeah. is the biggest indicator that weird stuff's going to happen in my, in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's the biggest cause. Or, you, you, ever, I mean? you ever have a fucked up day? It's like, oh, I don't want to go to bed. Like, I get some nervous. aliens are going to come and visit me. And like, yeah, and I can even feel yeah. it's, The weird thing with sleep paralysis is like, um, my girlfriend has watched me have it. And she says that I'm just, she thinks I'm awake. And I'm like, I'm not moving. And she's like, you're making these weird noises. It looks like you're having a little seizure and you're staring at something. Um, but uh, the, the scariest part of sleep paralysis is not what you see. People Like I describe it to people and they're like, oh, that sounds fucked up. That sounds scary. But it's, you wake up with terror. Yeah. It's, it's not even what you're seeing. You just feel, I think that some hormone is released in your body that makes you feel sheer terror. Yeah. And I almost make it makes me feel like there's like another layer to this world, <laughs> like Honestly. if that makes sense. Like, because uh, I'm gonna say just I've mentioned this experience on the last podcast, so I'm gonna quickly just say like I had one sleep paralysis moment where uh, where it kind of led to an outer body experience where 
almost that extreme terror you get was mm-hmm. the opposite. It was beautiful, euphoric. euphoric yeah. It felt like my brain was having millions of orgasms, and it was just like I was like this firing like ball of energy, like not connected to my body. And uh, I wake up, I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, it almost makes me just believe there's just like another layer to things that we can't see. Or well, there's definitely, yeah. I mean, there's definitely more to the world than than we know. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. like to believe there's more. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds like a DMT kind of Yes, <laughs> yes. Kind of and uh, actually, through sleep paralysis, I uh, just like going online and stuff when I didn't know what DMT or ayahuasca was, it led me to all that. It's like when I type in like what's going on with me and it's just talking about people like smoking or like yeah. drinking ayahuasca. And uh, it took me a while to find, but it's like lots of people say like certain people can do this naturally through meditation. And yeah, which that's is, what they say. Yeah. I think like it happened to me a couple of times, but by accident, like yes. some people try, they're like, I need to get to this state. And I was just probably like just laying down, stressed, like trying to get my mind off things, and then bam! All of a sudden, it's you like, just got a release of it. Yeah, from there. yeah, pineal gland. Yeah, it's um, insane. <laughs> I get these very rare kind of migraines. They're classified as basilar migraine, and uh, they're very neurological. I get a lot mm-hmm. of visual distortions, so I'll even go blind sometimes. But I see these Whoa. crazy shapes and colors, yeah. like uh, a so lot as of crazy you're, you're like awake, you get a migraine, and then you see this. I thing? don't even yeah. get the migraine. I, it starts off. A lot of people say, oh, I get ocular migraines. They lose their vision and stuff like that. This goes one step further. I start seeing pure hallucinations, like of crazy triangular colors and shapes whipping around in circles, and all my vision fractures That goes back to, like, people talking about DMT. Yes, well, this is where I I found out about DMT, because when I get bad migraines, I also think different, as crazy as it sounds. And if I sleep during those periods, I get the craziest craziest dreams that are almost more real than reality where I, I leave my body and I'm whipping throughout the universe with these other beings and everything and, and there's like there's these they don't have shape and they take me they like come find me and they take me to other parts of the universe and I, like I feel like I'm able to go anywhere in the universe and all this stuff and it feels so real and intense <laughs> yeah man I actually feel like uh, like vibrations through my whole body and all this stuff yes yeah so People are gonna think we're crazy, but yeah, they, I, get I love it, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously it's crazy, but brain. it's honesty too, man. It's like, like it's cool how you're talking about this stuff too, and everything you're saying is like, yeah, I had that too, and so mm-hmm. it's like, it's crazy. It may sound crazy to somebody who's never had this experience, but this is actually like a real thing, and it's common too. It's like something that people are almost scared to talk about too because. Yeah, like listen to it. it. Sounds like and even like you feel vulnerable, like when you're like kind of course, opening. You're, yeah, you sound like you're a maniac. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, I've I've come to accept that my brain does weird, weird things. I mean, and and I think a lot of people's brains do weird things. Mm-hmm. I think, um, especially people who suffer from things like migraine or all those spe- seizure because basal migraine is right on the border of seizure. Yeah, uh, and for some reason, mine was measurable on. Uh, I was part of a study group. They they put like uh, nodes on my head and, oh, <laughs> and really? checked if they yeah. can measure induce a migraine and measure brain changes because they said that most migraine you don't measure you can't see any brain changes. they said that on me and a select group of people there was actual changes in Whoa. the brain activity significant like that were measurable and were borderline what you would see in seizure and and that kind of thing uh they put me on anti-epileptics actually yeah. after that so have you had a seizure from no, I mean no, not in yeah. not in a traditional sense. I mean, I go blind. I can't speak. My hands shake. I get a lot of shaking and stuff like that. Um, 
when I was on the anti-epileptics, it kind of went away completely. Now it's really under, I get now uh, much less severe. I've learned to deal with stress. I've learned to eat properly and do all these things. And the migraines I do get in Toronto, they're terrible because of the weather changes. Oh, yeah, but yeah. But they've become more painful. They used to be more, uh, more existential, I guess, in the <laughs> sense of like, yeah, I would have the neurological symptoms and all that stuff, but I'd have these crazy vision things. And, and now I get more Tracy vision. It's just more annoying now. Yeah. Um, then, uh, than profound. <laughs> like, it's become, yeah, I'm, I'm over it. Uh, but I've, I've always had those weird experiences growing up and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And I believe, I, I think into it, human intuition and, and all these things, I think we're more connected than people realize. Uh, and everything is a little bit more connected yeah, than people realize. Definitely. And uh, it's cool that you mentioned that you felt like you can travel the universe because I've talked to other people who had sleep paralysis and it kind of, that was an experience I had, and I never heard somebody else say they felt like they could just go around space. But I felt like when I would tap into like that mode, I would wake up really quickly. Like I have like a certain like amount of time to fly around, like oh really, as far as I could. And then there's a part I don't know. It's like I want. I wonder what it is because it just seems like I start like enjoying it way too much, and then I wake up. It's like bam, ah, uh, and it's like oh fuck, I wasn't done out there yet. I was yeah, like, uh, well, you yeah. can never be done out there. <laughs> yeah, such a good feeling. But there's these weird things. Sometimes yeah. I'm I'm doing. Sometimes I have those experiences, and then there's something bad there. Yes, it's not always yes. positive. It's like something oh, comes yeah, out of yeah. nowhere, and I'm like, oh, this isn't a good thing, and I'm like, yeah. And, but there's always other. I don't know how to explain what they are. There's always these other things with me. I'm do you ever, never do you ever doing feel like sometimes you can't see something, but it feels like there's something there, and it's just like mm-hmm. this heavy, heavy... I'm getting goosebumps <laughs> talking about this I get right that now. <laughs> but like this heavy vibe of whether it's like hate or love. Well, or, it just yeah. feels like an, in, well, an intense yeah. negative emotion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I wake up a lot of the time, and I'm sitting there with like this... Like, it's not sleep paralysis because I'm able to move, but I feel like, whoa, something's just not, like, I can't explain it. Like, there's something very unsettling. It's just Mm -hmm. a pure feeling. Yeah. Did Um, you see uh, the Netflix documentary on this called The Nightmare? It's it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if I want to recommend it because, like, after I watched it, I started having, like, a lot of the bad ones. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but, like, in the negative way. But, um... One thing, like, it was cool because it kind of spreads the word about, like, kind of stuff we're talking about, which is, I don't know, for some reason, like, almost like a taboo, weird type of talk. But one thing I did not like about it was they only talked about the bad experiences, where we talk about, like, kind of, oh, we can travel the universe and stuff like that, where everyone was, like, they weren't really explaining, like, about the pineal gland. It was just interviewing people who haven't really done research on it, but had these experiences like yeah i was paralyzed then the demon came or then this <laughs> i don't this know if it's on top of me yeah, yeah, like, sitting on my chest and yeah, not yeah. letting me breathe and yes yes i get that lots of those too yeah I, you know i remember i was in when i was in new york i was living in this dorm for a couple when i was in acting school mm-hmm. uh and uh so it was a, this really weird experience where i was in the only room that had not been, like, fixed up. Yeah. They had fixed it up. They made it look okay. But the original boarding was there. It was a halfway house, and it had burned down, and people died in that place. Oh, yeah. And so I didn't know. crazy energy in there. Yeah, but I didn't know. I had just been in my room, and I was the only room left from the original building that they didn't reconstruct completely. 
So all the boarding, there's like this weird hole on the floor. And I weird things started happening. And I started getting really sick, like mm-hmm. really, really sick. I got psoriasis all over my arm, my back, my leg. I'd never had bad psoriasis before. Um, I started having these crazy dreams. Crazy. Even um, all my electronics broke down in that room. Whoa. Electronics in general around me just frizz out. It's a weird thing. <laughs> and I'm not crazy. You can ask my girlfriend. You can ask every girl I've dated. Yeah. They're like, my phone gets fucking weird around you. Uh, I haven't dropped it. It's just my fucking energy pulsing every, through yeah. me. <laughs> my girlfriend went through three MacBooks in two years. Every time I'd, I'd be near them for... And no, it's it's not it's not me searching for porn. If that's yeah. But uh, yeah. no, I, I I think some people have, a, I don't know, some people have bad luck with electronics. Yeah. Uh, but so the, even a picture on the wall burst out and exploded the glass. And there's my girlfriend at the time was there for this, so it really you know it's not yeah, just yeah. me being crazy. Mm-hmm. There was another witness to the event. Yeah. My computer went crazy. Um, but I'm talking about it exploded, the picture, and then whoa, flew off the wall. Whoa. Um, and then one day we were laying in bed, me and her. During the day, it's not dark, nothing's going on, and we just hear, Elan, super clear, super clear. Oh and neither of us say anything. And, and, and she could hear it too, yeah. She just starts crying on her. I'm like, okay, you heard that? And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I heard it so clear, oh, my God. Anyway, so when I started sleeping on the floor because I felt better, and I, yeah. I would never sleep on that hole. Because it was not just me, but a lot of people were like, man, I get this weird feeling when I stand over the hole. So I end up rolling onto there one night, onto the hole. And I woke up, and this was my first most intense feeling. I've had sleep paralysis before this. Never this intense to the point where I felt like like it was death. Mm-hmm. But uh, this old man comes out of the bathroom, creeping, and it's all burnt up. And he oh, co- comes over God. me, and he's like walking all fucking weird and limping. And he comes and he hugs me. He gets on top of me and he hugs me. And then he opens his mouth and it was like he was swallowing me. And I'm like, ah! You know when you're trying to scream but you yeah, can't? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like trying to turn my head and look at my girlfriend. She's just asleep. I'm like, ah! Help! <laughs> and then I pass out and I wake up and my psoriasis was super bad out of nowhere. And um, I was super, super like stressed out that I felt like someone had drained me. And we start, so my teacher got, he was like crazy into supernatural stuff at the time. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. I was like, I told her what's going on. She's like, man, you just don't look right. So she comes and we started researching and it turned out that there was an old man and a little kid who died. Oh my God. I was like, I don't know if I believe this, but like it's weird, weird shit's going on. Yeah. So yeah. I, and that's what you saw. Yeah. I, I stopped staying in the room. I started staying in another room and uh, I got better. Within about three weeks. Wow. My psoriasis got better. And that's really interesting that you said, like, you didn't know, like, this history of, like, the fire and everything. No idea. And I researched it. almost around the worst time I had bad, bad sleep paralysis of visions, entities of things trying to hurt me, I was living in this old student house in Hamilton. And a couple years later, I was hanging out with somebody who lived in that neighborhood and she was just like, we're having to talk like this. She's like, oh, yeah, sometimes I see ghosts like casually and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, without me telling her my experiences or whatever, she told me the history of like the street. And it, oh, it was um, it was there used to be an old hospital there for <laughs> war victims like way back in the day. Yeah, and I was I like, was and it's Something just like terrible. things like like started clicking in my head from like years prior. I'm just like, oh, wow. And it's I don't know. It's. It's it's funny too because 
that moment of just my conversation with her, like, just smashed all this skeptic. Uh, what's the word? Skepticism. Yeah, like going on in my head, like forever. Like, and I'm just like, you know what? There might be something to all this. Well, there might with be. energy and yeah. stuff like that. I, I still am. Fifty percent of me is, is skeptic and saying, okay, yeah. it's entirely brain based. It's just my brain doing stuff. And then fifty percent of me is like, no, you know, what? we don't understand everything going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just the way I was raised to never believe in this stuff. Yes. And so I'll always resist it. Me too. Me too. I feel like I'd have a moment and even though like I had like proof of this happening, my brain wants to like try to like figure out, okay, what's the logical reason? I'm like going on Google. I'm like, okay, yeah, like looking up sleep and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then all these other pieces get thrown at you and it's like, no, maybe there's just something more to life that we do not see yeah, or sometimes get glimpses of. Like, yeah, I gotta believe there's more to this world than than what we. I mean, there's obviously more to this world than yeah. what we see. Just even from a scientific standpoint, mm-hmm. we're seeing a very minimal spectrum of light. We're seeing, you know, we're not seeing everything going on around us right now. Dogs see the world completely different than we do. Smell it different. Mm-hmm. Their senses are different. But I think there is definitely something with intuition. I really believe that. Yeah, wasn't there a, a study done years ago? It was in Time Magazine where they they had like people pl- uh, pray for people in a, in a room. So they had room A, room B, and room C. Room B and room C both had terminal conditions, and they took room A and they said, "Pay, play, play, pray for people in room B." Ro- people in room B didn't know they were being prayed for, and people in room C didn't know what's going on. So they were just told, "Go to this room for an hour a day, and you're going to stay in this room." And the people in room B had a higher survival rate. Then they did it again with pregnancy. And Interesting. And more people in room B got pregnant who were prayed for. Whoa. Or who were had positive thoughts yeah. sent their way. I don't know if it was prayer. It was like it was like help them get think about them, you know, being pregnant and going well for them. That goes to like a lot of like uh, like theories of the law of attraction, like something mm-hmm. like that's you know, on your mind and. And universal consciousness, the concept of a universal consciousness. Mm-hmm. There's a book called Biocentricity, which is very interesting. Oh, you, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's about, uh, it's it's almost like a, a philosophy. It's by Penrose. Uh, he's a PhD in, bi- in uh, biology. He's an internationally recognized biologist, like one of the top of his field. And then there's a, or maybe he's a physicist. There's a physicist, quantum physicist, and a biologist. One of them is Penrose, I believe, and the okay. other one, I can't remember his name. And they talk about how biology and consciousness are the central forces of the universe, that the universe is directly connected to biology and directly connected to consciousness, and that the universe itself is creating consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, we live in a conscious universe that needs to be observed and experienced, cool. and that the universe is actually demanding that, creating it. It's pretty interesting. I don't yeah, know if yeah. I got it 100% right. What yeah, I yeah, I got to check it out. I'm intrigued now. Uh, actually, just the other day I saw this movie, Annihilation. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Or yeah, seen I saw it. it. Yeah, yeah. This, the ending, like, I still don't understand what I exactly saw at the end, but it almost reminded me what you were talking about, like, just, like, the consciousness of things, like, melding and, like, all together. Well, that's biodive. Like, I, I think that movie was just, essentially, everything was just, you know, meshing. I don't want to ruin the film for anyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost, like, just jumped right to the ending. Yeah. <laughs> I can always cut this. This is pre-recorded. So. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but, yeah. It, you know, it's... it's uh, I f- feel like that's almost about natural evolution and and uh, biology just mixing into itself. Mm-hmm. The whole consciousness thing is is weird because I don't think any doctor really can underst- really understands what consciousness is or 
Yeah. On a on a you know we all have different definitions for it. Depending on what field you're in, you have a different definition for consciousness. So it's pretty interesting. Yes, very true. And uh, yeah, with this sleep paralysis too, like I I read like a lot of people see the same types of entities, Big and time. like you you mentioned, you've been seeing these things, and I just want to see if like you've been seeing like the same shit as me, because like what was common, I would always see almost like an outline but it looked like camo like if you ever watched the movie predator where mm-hmm. it was just like that transparent like being i i keep feeling like a lot of times when i used to like get the heavy sleep paralysis i'd see this one type of being and i don't know if it's like the same one or many different ones and like and have it's you transparent s- i've seen yeah, transparent yeah. i've seen a lot of like just black like they yeah. just stand there and i've seen actual clear people like uh not a hundred percent clear like there's something a little off with their faces yeah yeah or uh, you see people like you know in the waking world and then in there and there's something off with them in the sleep paralysis only world. in dreams do i get that yeah. i've never had sleep paralysis of someone i know i've never seen like my dad in sleep paralysis but i've seen like old old people or weird shit um uh, You've seen people you know in real life? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my ex, uh, I was sleeping beside her. I think I had like some stress or whatever, triggered sleep paralysis. But I didn't know I was in sleep paralysis. And I just see her kind of like get up. And uh, I'm like, hey, like I'm trying to like talk to her or something. And uh, she said something to me and it was like kind of off. And uh, her name's Lacey. And I, I just remember in this state too. Like, So I was like half sleep paralysis. Like I could like talking it and i just said you're not lacy and then all of a sudden oh, yeah, the yeah. room turned into like this ball of like hate energy just like there was almost like that noise too yeah just, and then i woke up i was like and then i look and she's just sound asleep and i'm just sitting there like oh, i needed to get up i had a drink of water I was yeah, like, what your heart's beating fuck? like 180 yeah beats yeah that's pretty pretty messed up yeah yeah um no the only time i had seen someone in that context was after my grandmother died. This was so weird. Um, I woke up and she like grabbed me. This is very creepy. And she grabbed my arm and she's just like staring at me. And she was like, why did you let me die? Oh, man. And like was trying to pull me. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was oh, like, I didn't let it. No. Uh, this was years ago. Uh, and then she, even imagine like waking up from that. Just like, oh, my God. It's like, probably the stress of her dying. Um I mean, it wasn't like I let her die. She died. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, there's still stress associated with that. So I'm, that's probably what that was. Um, yeah, your girlfriend was pretty disturbing. I, I'd be breaking up with my girlfriend after that. I'm, like, ah, I'm sorry. It's over. Well, my, down the road, she broke up with years. me. So. <laughs> See, it was a warning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you believe, like, dreams, uh, like, sometimes, like, send messages? Or? It wouldn't wouldn't be fair if I said no because I've I've... Do you ever dream right on dreams? Yeah, you ever dream something and then it's like it happens? I I didn't go into a car when I was younger with my dad to go to school. I refused to get in the car that day. And my mom had to take me. And then he got in a a bad accident. My brother and my sister had bad whiplash. Oh, oh, man. So there are situations where um, I know for a fact. I mean, that's measurable. That is, I had a bad dream. I didn't go in the car. Then you can argue, well, you stressed your dad out by not going in the car. And that's what caused the accident. Who knows? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I didn't stress him out that much. I mean, I just said I'm not. I refuse to go I'll walk to school if I have to. And Yeah, I had a, a situation, too, where 
actually somebody died in my life that I dreamt and then it happened like almost immediately and that's crazy. That's a that's another thing where everything I was skeptic about like just kind of changed and I keep having these pinnacle moments where it's just like whether it's with the sleep paralysis or like something like that where it wasn't a sleep paralysis it was like a like a, just like a normal type of rest dream it felt a little more intense than usual but then just something like that happening and yeah like, and it's accurate yeah and it's i i found like little moments in good situations that and i like you can go back and think oh maybe it's just something on your mind like where it's like getting like a job or working with certain type of people like in my other like careers and stuff like that and like dream jobs and stuff but i feel like it's almost like too close to the dream in a way where it yeah. seems like too real like well i get i get like little compulsions sometimes to like go up to someone and be like hey dave how's this going and they're like how do you know my name and i'm always right in those compulsions <laughs> oh, i've never been wrong i've actually picked up girls with it i said I, I remember one time i was walking with my brother and i said hey i'm i'm going to go pick up that uh bartender watch and i went up to her said her name and i was like hey, give me your number and she was like okay here and i was like wait a minute was i right you, on your name yeah. and she's like yeah i thought we know each other whoa she's like, i thought i had like talked to you before. i was like no i never met yeah, you before yeah. that's some psychic shit going on right there it's a compulsion though it's yeah. never intentional it's yeah. never like i did it with my grandmother i made her write down i had this weird urge to have her write down 14 numbers so i went up to her and she wrote down 14 numbers and then I had written down 14 numbers, and I was right on 12 of the 14 numbers. And these were any number. I mean, the statistical chances of that are, are astronomical. Yeah. Uh, in order. Whoa. Except for two of them. So, and it was like a total urge. Like, I just couldn't, it's like, uh, I couldn't not do it. Those things don't happen that often, but when they do happen, they're usually right. Uh, I think a lot of people get those little moments where they're like, how the fuck did I just know this person... Oh, another one freaked out my friend. One of my friends I trained jiu-jitsu with, my training partner, actually. He's amazing at jiu-jitsu. Uh, um, and he, we were outside. He was telling a story about this guy who ripped him off. And this was a very random name. It was Dupont or something like that. Yeah. He's like, man, I just it's can't remember the Dupont name. Street. And I'm like, Pierre, and I was like, Pierre Dupont? Or I said the guy's name. Like, and he's like, what? Whoa. And because uh, it happened like 30 years ago or something like that. <laughs> Holy and or 25 years ago, and he was like, how did you know his name? I'm like, are you joking? You're just trying to, to, to fuck around. And he's like, no, that's his name. Have you been creeping on my Facebook? He's like, well, what are you, what's going on? How did you know his name? I'm like, even if I was creeping on your Facebook, how would I, how would I yeah. know? This isn't a guy you follow on Facebook. This happened 25 years ago. This guy ripped you off. And so he was freaked out by me for the longest time. And I remember I started doing it with him a lot for whatever reason. I just started getting these compulsions to, to bug him with <laughs> I was like 27. We were rolling. We're doing jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah, we're in yeah. the middle of a fight. I'm like 27. He's like, why did you just say that? I'm like 27. He's like, why did you just say that? I was like, I don't know. I just had an urge. What does it mean? And he was like, oh, man. He's like, something's coming up. It was always, it was always something significant. Like, obviously, at that point, like, he was obviously just becoming paranoid and finding meaning. But some of them were pretty, like the, the, the DuPont one. I don't remember if his name was DuPont. I can't remember what it was. It was a French name. And for some random reason, I said a French name. Um, I think you got a gift, man. Like, this is nuts. Whether you like... I'm psychic. Yes. <laughs> no, not in any psychic functional detective. way I'm not. 
there's yeah. there's no functional psychic. Here. It's like a accidental psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's that's really incredible, man. It'd be a good TV show, the accidental psychic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hey, like, do you have any feelings here? You ate cheesecake for breakfast. Oh shit! He's and right. then, there's like a bunch of episodes where there's nothing happens. He's just yeah. like uh, wakes up in the morning, goes to goes the gym, to work, yeah. like watches Netflix. He never actually cures crime. He just randomly gets the name of someone right on the street who has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but he's trying to cure crime. Yeah. Cure? <laughs> trying to solve? Why am I saying the word cure? Solve crime. But but the the people are like keep watching because they're anticipating it. They're like something's gotta happen. Yeah, <laughs> like there's like this. He's gonna know. <laughs> it builds up tensions. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then they're disappointed. Is your name Amy? Want to go on a date? <laughs> what about the dead guy? There's a dead guy. Use your powers for good. <laughs> this, no, this I don't is think the I'm best worst show ever. Yeah, I'm definitely not psychic. Yeah, or maybe you just don't know how to like control it yet. Yeah, well. I'll never I don't. I don't know. How, yeah, I don't know how you would exercise that, but I don't know. Maybe I can reach out to some. I don't know if I believe that anyone is, is psychic. <laughs> I think there's intuition. Mm-hmm. I think that you like, you can get a vibe about things, uh, and I think that there's also just uh, you know statistical anomalies where you're right on something that you just shouldn't be right about, or things work out in a way that's totally random. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if anyone actually has like a superpower of being psychic. Mm-hmm. I think I've just been. There's so many names that someone can have, and if you guess right, you guessed right type thing. I don't think it was, you know, me looking into their mind. I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe by accident you just got a little flash of something. Maybe. Because you said there's so many names, but no, there's so, 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 so many names. There and, are. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's it's interesting. how. I, I feel like my show is like shifting into like this mystic thing now. Like I started, take it in that direction. I love it though. I'm, this is like these. I love these conversations so much. They're so stimulating too. And like I find when people listen to them, they always hit me up and they're just like, "Whoa!" Like I never heard of this. And like somebody last episode googled sleep paralysis and they're like, "What the fuck? This happens!" And like this is terrifying. And it's like kind of opening. And, and then it started happening to them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's other things. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff. There's there's stuff about. Um, I watch a lot of stuff on blood types, and because I'm B negative, which is a shitty blood type, it's hard to find uh, blood transfusions for B negative. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the only one worse is AB negative or something like that. But uh, there's all these things online. I started researching my blood type to see if I ever got sick. Like, how hard would it be to find a blood transfusion? And instead, I find all this stuff on ancient aliens. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> How did that happen? I was trying the to find the spiral out. of the internet. <laughs> and they're like, negative, negative blood type is an ancient blood type. Yes. From the Anunnaki who seeded the earth. I was like, and where's my blood transfusion if I need one? <laughs> and they're like, did you know? I think it was B, people with negative blood type and B and AB negative are, I think, 80% or 90% of people who suffer from sleep disorders and. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> All these yeah. crazy things. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense with you. Yeah, Yeah, maybe you're negative also. Yeah, yeah. I I forget my fucking blood type. Something I should know. know. Yeah, it's very good to know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Even, like, you watch shows on people getting abducted by aliens, and a lot of them, like, just coincide with them having sleep paralysis, Mm -hmm. I noticed, since I've done, like, research on it, too. (laughs) I would would argue that the vast majority of... um, abductions or people think they've been abducted are just sleep paralysis. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's traumatizing. And if you don't know what it is, 
I mean, I can only imagine. I, m- I remember growing up, I thought I was being abducted. Yeah, yeah. And only when the internet became popular and people talked, did I realize, oh, this is sleep paralysis. Mm. But before the internet, it's not like, where would I go and talk about that? Yeah, as a 15 year old. Exact same experience as me, too. I just thought I was dying. There's demons. And I was like, I was going to like a <laughs> Catholic school at the time, too. Oh, and like, my parents weren't like. I don't know, like into like mystic stuff. So I just felt like I had nobody to talk to about it. Or it's like, if you brought it up at school, they'd think you're possessed. Oh yeah, yeah. There'd be like a fucking full blown exorcism. They'll call the whole school, put me in the middle of the gym or something. Yeah. <laughs> it would be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. That, that'd be a, I a that'd be a sweet story to tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Crazy. So nowadays, at least there's more um, more options or more understanding of what's going on. Yeah, and I feel like the more people talk about it, the more other people who are almost scared to talk about it start talking about it. And it's like almost it's a more common thing than I ever thought it was. Mm-hmm. It's also you. made me a late night sleeper. I got very scared to sleep for many years. And yeah. I started staying up later and later and later. And then now I'm just in such a cycle. I don't sleep before four o'clock. I'm just built Ooh, like that. Yeah, now. yeah. Um, I'm a night owl. Uh, but I think that's conditioning from having this my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, another thing, like, totally off topic, I want to congratulate you on your art. You oh, were thanks, just man. in a, a gallery, right? Elaine Fleck Gallery, yeah. That's so awesome. And I really love the style of these paintings you do. It's uh, Sleep paralysis is definitely in those paintings. Yeah, maybe that's why I connect <laughs> to it or something. There's it's definitely like... an element of that in yeah. there. Yeah. So, like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it on the page of this episode, a couple of your paintings or whatever. But they're kind of cool because, like, they're these, they look like realistic faces, but almost made with smudges in a way. Or would you, how would yeah, you explain? I don't know how you do it, but it looks like almost like these smudge well, movements I, with the painting, but then it makes a realistic face. Yeah, they're, they're abstract portraits. Uh, the technique I use is I, I have my own thing that I, I do where I take enamel, actual enamel, and I, I drip it and I mess it around for shape. And then I take acrylic and I mix it in with the enamel, which gives this weird kind of elevated texture. And then I only use a palette knife. I don't use a brush. Oh, okay. And that's why it looks smudged, because it is. Yeah. It's smudged paint. Um, and then I, it just takes a while, but I form it into, uh, into the face. And I only really rely on, on the principle of like uh, shadow, midtone, and highlight, and and shape, and that's it. I don't really worry about uh, how Little. realistic it looks or the colors I'm using or anything. I just go with whatever instinctively. Oh, that's cool because they turn out like pretty realistic. It looks some of them more yeah. than others. It's yeah, fifty-fifty. <laughs> like some of them are really abstract, and some of them are very. There's a couple that are more re- like actual look, like almost traditional portraits. Yeah, uh, and I don't know how they end up there, but how did you adapt that style? Was it a, another thing where you're just your intuition, like, okay, I'm gonna just start doing this on the canvas? Or? Well, I was getting migraines. I was feeling sick all the time. I, yeah. I uh, had other problems going on, and it was the only catharsis I could find. I just started painting, and that's what it evolved into. I didn't really have a plan. That's cool, and yeah, so you were just kind of doing it for yourself, and then next thing you I know, I still do only do it for myself. Yeah. I don't care if I never sell another painting; I would, ne- I would not care at all. Yeah, but it's interesting with that natural spirit. How it like it's like okay, like now it's all of a sudden in a gallery, and I almost relate to it with this show where I uh, before I got like the sponsorship from the bar and this little space here and stuff like that. I was just, uh, I just love podcasts and I was doing media for all these different websites. And I'm like, 
I want to do one where it's just like my own like little like conversation, like super laid back. And I'm like, I don't care if like one person listens to this episode. And my first episode, I just like met somebody in the park with like a hand recorder. And like I did a couple of those in very long story short, it turned into like this thing, like unconsciously too. So yeah, maybe that's something like with your art that's happening too. And the people are, I mean, it would be nice if I could, I'm running out of space. I mean, that's the problem. That's the only reason I want to sell my paintings is so I can have more space to paint more paintings. (laughs) I'm giving them to family. I mean. I mean, they do sell. People are buying them, but I'm not going to give. I'm not going to sell one to my parents. I'll give them to my parents, but they've run out of space in their house now. Yeah. Um. I put a couple in my sister's. I just paint like uh, frantically, and it, the weird thing is, it's like uh, again, it's also compulsive. Everything I do that I'm passionate about is compulsion. Is a, a compulsion. Yeah. I feel like it's the same thing with anyone. Anything like this show. Anything you're p- passionate about. You're going to be relatively compulsive about it, and it's going to succeed because of that. Yeah. Do you feel like almost your best stuff comes out because it's like such a piece of you? It almost goes back to what was that technique, the acting technique? When Meisner. Meisner. Yeah, yeah. It's honest. As long yeah. as it's honest, you know, if your show's honest, if you're painting honest, if you're whatever you're doing and it's honest, I think people will connect with it. I think people connect to – life kind of sucks for everyone at some points. Right, I, yes, I don't know anyone yes. who lives a perfect life. Maybe I, there are, but I, I don't agree. know anyone. Yeah. And so it's easy to look at the pretty. And I think a lot of people, it's easy to make the pretty. I mm-hmm. mean, it might require tech, tons of technique. and everything. But I don't know how many people look at that and they go, oh shit, that like touched my soul. And I think like the, the things that are most vulnerable and painful are the things that people connect to the most because those are the things that we keep to ourselves that we don't know what everyone else necessarily feels it's it's a lot of people live their life and they don't realize they think they're suffering alone mm-hmm. but we're all really suffering together there's some kind of beauty in that this it's the, it's our i wrote a quote uh on, on about my art and i said like that i think i don't remember what it was but it was about that it was about the uh the there's something beautiful beautiful about the fact that we all suffer t- together uh, that's what connects us all. It's not the, the easy things or the pretty things or the, you know what I mean? You could be the richest person in the world or the poorest person in the world. You're going to meet adversity in your life, whether it's health, whether it's loss, whether it's... So when I know for me personally, the paintings I've always been attracted to are when I see a painting and I go, oof, like that, that hurts. Or Yeah, yeah. Even songs, like songs, anything, movies, Those are the melancholy, yeah. the, the films that have... Uh, like I've, I remember the most are the ones that have, have on some level been painful. Or, there's also like blood sport and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah the fun ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which you need too. Yeah, but yeah. for me personally, if I'm going to create something, it, it tends to sadly go in that that direction, whether I can control it or not. Yeah. And I always get people like, "Why don't you paint something more more pretty and happy and upbeat?" I'm like, "That's just not what I'm." Mm, yeah. Or I don't feel the need to paint that. Yeah. If I felt the need to paint it, I'd paint it. I'm not painting. For them, I'm painting as selfishly as it sounds for myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, hey, buddy, just give me a bunch of ecstasy. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But, but man, like, I feel like I can talk to you for, like, fucking two days to, like, make this podcast, like, a 24-hour. Uh, yeah, 48-hour podcast. Yeah, yeah. But uh, two, I just, two men found dead in a podcast room after yeah. not eating for three weeks. They were Apparently so they were engulfed the, in the conversation. Covered. Apparently about other dimensions. Yeah. But... But honestly, like you're welcome back anytime, and like Sweet. even like right now in my heart, I feel like I'm cutting this off. But I usually like to keep them like around an hour or two. Yeah, have we been like, talking an hour? Uh, yeah, almost. Uh, yeah, an hour and one minute right now. What? Yeah, it doesn't feel like that, eh? No, it felt real fast. Yeah, yeah, and like 
I really enjoyed this conversation. Like this kind of shit is like so therapeutic to me. Just like talking to somebody who's also been on the other side. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's crazy. I I think there's more people like us than we realize. Yeah. Well, much love. Oh, and before we go, you uh, you have a dog right now that you're very allergic to. Yeah, I've been getting you're, severe you're, asthma. You're trying to find it a nice home, right? Yeah, I don't want to, but I, I mean, doctors are, uh, they put me on like Simbacort and all these other asthma medications, and they did blood tests, and they're like, you're so allergic to her. Just please give her up. And I was like, ah. Oh, man. That's <laughs> that's heartbreaking. But um, yeah, I'm just going to say to anybody listening to, like, uh, if you're interested in getting a dog and you're a wonderful person who's going to take care of a dog, reach out to me and I'll, uh, I'll link you t- to Elon here and we'll, um, yeah, maybe set it up. So. Yeah, she's really great with other yep. dogs. She'd be happy in a home with another dog too. I don't know. It's a tough kind of situation. So yeah, I'm attached to her. Oh man, <laughs> it's got to be heartbreaking. So maybe like, are you looking for like a friend to get it or something? Ideally, someone I really it? trust. I mean, she, yeah, she's yeah. a beautiful dog. She's under. She's young. She's like a year and eight months. I rescued her a year mm-hmm. ago. I, I rehabbed her. She was like abused and all. So now she's amazing. She loves people. She loves dogs. She's she listens. She's just a perfect dog, but. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, uh, I I don't breathe properly around her, so there's only so much of that you can take before. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe you can get a good home like close to you, and then you can visit once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, and anything else you want to say before? We no, go? thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming out, man. Cheers. Yeah. Hey everybody, hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. What a great talk! Definitely gonna have Elon back again. And if you like that type of content, the sleep paralysis, the talk about aliens, other dimensions, shit like that, definitely check out my prior episode with electronic music artist Sages. She's another one. I got a feeling both her and Elon are going to be regulars because I'm going to bug them. And before I leave you with a song, big thanks to Pacific Junction Hotel. Thanks to Saxton for taking care of us. And this song I'm about to play for you is from an incredible Toronto band. They're called Copper Crown. They're a mix of soul, punk, ska, and just this awesome, unique thing. And this is their new song that they released this week. It's called This Home. Enjoy, guys. See you next time. Earth Radio. Here we go. I've come to tell.